This is Learn Right Radio, your podcast for clinical practice, clinician experiences, and being a clinician in the workplace. I'm your host, Sarah Thistle. Hey everyone, welcome back to part two of our awesome chat with Jody Moore. Uh, with an abrupt ending, of course, we had more to talk about, and in this part two, we went through all things industrial setting. So looking at misconceptions, um, you know, as a new industrial clinician, what are selling points of the setting, um, and more about Jody's experience coming into it, and some of the biggest takeaways he's had as he's really immersed himself in this emerging setting. So stay tuned. And let's hear more from Jody. What do you feel like, from your your personal opinion, what do you feel like is the best or the biggest selling point of the industrial setting for an athletic trainer? What what is the coolest thing about it in your eyes? Uh, for me, I, I mean, yeah, the work life balance and the hours uh, are better, but the thing that I am really enjoying it and kind of talked about it a little earlier was just being that, um, that immediate access to care for these associates and being able to help mm-hmm. them. Um, because, you know, when you're dealing with athletes and that type of stuff, yeah, you're trying to get them back to a game, um, and all that. I mean, yeah, there's probably some opportunities for like life changes and like, you know, scholarships, like those type things. But really, when you're dealing with the industrial athlete, I mean, if they don't work, they, they're not going to get food on the table. And so right. um, I think that's been real rewarding in that I'm making a direct impact on a daily basis with these associates. And to me, that's been the that's been the best part of working with the industrial athlete. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Um, what would you say? kind of still in the in the mind of the involvement and even SWATA, what would you say is probably the biggest misunderstanding or maybe something that people are like, ooh, that's not for me. I don't like that idea. I would say probably the uh, the lack of education that's around um, the industrial setting and even kind of bringing that up, uh, there was a gentleman that was there at SWATA. He had like a, it was called the sports medicine broadcast. Uh, I, I have, unfortunately, I haven't like listened to any of his material or anything, but when we were tearing down the booths, I went up and talked to him, uh, kind of introduced him and kind of let him know like what, what work I is. Mm. And one of his first questions was like, well, you know, is there any way we could kind of get y'all on a podcast or anything? So he's like, I get questions all the time about athletic trainers and the industrial setting and what it's like. And so I really think that um, I really think just that education um, and whatnot. And obviously, too, I, th- I think a lot of it is based on what the athletic trainers are wanting to do, right? whether they stay in the high school setting, the collegiate. So I think there's that uh, um, just that involvement of what the athletic trainers are wanting to do. But I definitely think education and the information about what the industrial athletic trainer is is probably the biggest misunderstanding what causes the most misunderstanding mm-hmm. when did you first learn about the industrial setting did you learn about it in school 
Um, I don't know. That was like four score and seven years ago, Sarah. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> Thought I would uh, ask. Yeah, no, it's fair. Um, um, I don't, I don't remember much in high school or sorry, not in high school, but in college. But during that time I was pretty focused on kind of wanting to become a division one, like tra- track and field athletic trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I may kind of been, I don't necessarily know if blinded is the right word to it. Um, but I really started no- noticing it more probably like the 2010, 2011, like that early, early 2010s is when I really started uh, noticing it becoming more, uh, more of a popular um, field of athletic training. Mm. Yeah. And that's only been what, 13, 12, 13 years. I guess that's not really yeah. technically a long span of time and, and the idea of change and whatnot, but sure. um, what do they say about research? We, research is always how many years behind? I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> that's not the important part. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, um, I don't, I don't remember it at all. And I know I've talked to a couple clinicians within work, right. That could say like, Oh, I remember a slide and a slide deck about it. And I can't even remember that. And I, I don't think that's to say that it wasn't there. I, I think it was kind of to your point. I wasn't paying attention. I had this very firm idea. And um, my professors were very, very, very forward with traditional athletics. That was their passion. They really didn't, um, I would say they didn't really offer room for deviation from that. Like if you sure. were in the program, you wanted to be with traditional athletics. So it might've been there and I just didn't even realize it. I remember I was sure. looking back at one of my textbooks and I saw it written in there. I'm like, huh, what'd you look at that? It's been there the whole time. <laughs> but uh, there was such a gap for the longest time and I had no idea. And even when I started with work, right, I was so hesitant. I had never heard of it until then. And I didn't really, I couldn't even picture how we would function on site in someone's workplace. Um, When you, when you transitioned, it was 2022, you said? Yeah, October 2022. Yeah. Okay. Wow. We really haven't known each other that long. That's so crazy. Anyway, October 2022. Um. Was it kind of what you imagined it would be like? Um, I would say yes. Uh, yes and no. Uh, obviously, with the change, uh, you really have to kind of learn the different organizations, kind of their policies and procedures. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, the I guess probably the biggest thing that really kind of shocked me was uh, like really once we started getting out or I started kind of getting out onto the floors, learning the associates and um, doing, doing the appointments and and whatnot that how quickly it like, how quickly we got busy. Mm. Um, And so I think, um, I I think that, goes to show two things. One, I think it shows, um, you know, kind of the level of providers that we have and also, uh, you know, our kind of the 
work route policies, procedures, you know, are really working and kind of those type things. And so that's really kind of been the, that, that was really the kind of the biggest shock for me. Hmm. What's the, what's your, okay. So aside from being the first line of defense, I guess I'll word it that way for healthcare. Um, what is, what's unique about the industrial setting that you really enjoy? Um, I really like the initial, like the constant interaction that we have, um, mm. with the associates and that we can, you know, if we affect one positively and, and like, especially if like managers, um, and, and, line, and supervisors notice that how quickly it can kind of like really pick up. And then not only that, but like even even when we're doing like the coaching, uh, different ergonomics, like that type stuff. And, you know, you talk to somebody and then a couple weeks later, it's like, oh, they pull you aside. Like, oh, yeah, I've been doing this, been working on the mm-hmm. lifting and everything. And it's been great um, and those type things. So I really think that I really think that constant interaction and kind of the accessibility while we're out is um, been one of my favorite things. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome feedback that they'll give to you oh, it always makes your day right makes mine mm-hmm. <laughs> um so i i want to leave room for the flip side though what do you think is something that could be improved in the industrial setting for an athletic trainer i'm trying to think um i, I honestly i mean i really can't think of much right now i mean it's been great um i think probably for any of the athletic trainers that go into the industrial setting, I think probably just really making sure you get ingrained and know, uh, get involved in the company and then also being able to learn the policies, procedures, and the people that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, I think that that would probably be the biggest thing, but like I said, as far as improvement and that type of stuff, like right now, I mean, I, I honestly, I can't really think of much at the moment. Maybe, I mean, the only, maybe the only, maybe the only thing I could think of was um, just being that education with the people that we work with on what we do mm-hmm. um, and those type things. And just having that kind of reputation of like, okay, here, they're, they're here to help these, ath- these industrial athletes. They're not there to necessarily take them off the line and that type stuff. Cause I mean, I've kind of noticed with some, some people I've worked with, you know, they kind of have that. I call it the football coach mentality of, oh, well, they got to get in and do all this. It's kind of like, well, I mean, we're not trying to take them out. You know, we're just trying to give them stuff to work on to help them make better and that type of stuff. So that would probably be the yeah. only thing that I could see being improved. But, I, I mean, as long as you're out there talking with them, developing those relationships and uh, really taking care of their associates, a lot of that tends to kind of work itself out over the course of time. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's uh, one of the cool things about the industrial setting, too, is, or at least in, you know, what WorkRight prides themselves on is the the initiative of prevention. But um, more specifically, we're going to people. We're not waiting for them to come to us. Um, you know, exactly. we're finding them. We're introducing ourselves. We're constantly like in this phase of networking where we just want to meet everyone that's on the floor and we want everyone to know us. Um, 
And I feel like that's such a unique thing. And you'll, and it feels like when you have very green athletic trainers who um, maybe up to the point they've only had their student athletic training experience where they're in a AT room and they're, you know, they're expecting their athletes to come. It's such a shift to think, okay, well, I'm going to go find people. And um, I just think it's really cool. It's such a, it's such a quicker way to make an impact on such a broad group of people. Sure. Um, and maybe sometimes, maybe it's talked about in interviews. I'm not typically part of interviews, but um, I don't know. It, it's just unique, I think. But the I before I rabbit trailed on that, I actually had one more question, um, unless I think of others. But with all of your experience, and then in various settings, being on the board, do you feel like our role in the industrial setting is a good use and representation of what an athletic trainer does and can do? Yes. Um, especially, um, especially when it comes to being an advocate for our profession, especially like with, um, legislation and that type stuff um, i can say that um you know i was asked and i had you know conversations with higher up as well about you know help being able to help with this last bill with kind of the role that we have uh here uh, in texas and you know just having that extra setting in the in the industry and showing legislatures like hey we're not just you know on the football sidelines like you know, we're here with these different industries. We're here with law enforcement and, you know, um, fire um, and, and those type things. So, yeah, I definitely think uh, I definitely think the industrial athletic trainers have a very uh, have a very strong foot for advocacy when it comes, especially in this in the states and state legislatures. Um, I, I definitely think the industrial athletic trainer has a, a big foot in the door on that mm. yeah that um it kind of the question kind of dawned on me while we were talking and that now I'm realizing I'm kind of curious to ask more people what they think but I know um I've had a few who maybe they just never adjusted or um eventually they caught on and they bought into it but it seems like there's this general idea that you're coming into the industrial setting and you're immediately limited in your scope. And, you know, with, with work-related things, we are functioning under OSHA first aid guidelines, but as a whole, generally, um, a lot of people feel super boxed in, feel like they aren't an athletic trainer anymore, that they're not getting to do the things they want to do. Um, and I've never, I've never really had a good response or an answer other than I generally disagreed. <laughs> But I didn't have a good way to explain why I thought that. Uh, sure. So I was just very curious, especially with the amount of experience you have, if you felt um, that it was or wasn't that scenario. So I think that's I think that's really important to hear from you and others and kind of get your take on why that's the case. So I'm glad you had an answer. Because <laughs> I didn't have one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, cool. Well, I think... Um, 
to that kind of follow up with that question or statement. Um, I, I mean, really the only time I've ever felt boxed in was like, if there was an associate that was having back pain and like, you know, let's say they, I suspected they had like a rib out or something like that. And I know what to do to do that. And, but I can't, so that's really it. But I, I haven't, other than that, I mean, I, I've felt like I've been able to use my athletic training skills, um, especially on the education side of things um, and and or being able to direct um, associates to like public resources about different, um, you know, different things that they may not know about. Um, so I, I don't really I don't feel like I've been been boxed in at all. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's a great customer service opportunity. I mean, even with the soft tissue work that we can do per OSHA, I mean, I, it's, I've been able to kind of do everything I've wanted to or needed to, to help these associates um, get better. So mm. I've never really felt, I've never really felt boxed in on it. Mm. Do you feel like the, just the nuances of it though, do you feel like there's anything that you in your practice evolved? Um, or anything that's changed to better accommodate the industrial setting? Mm. I would say uh, just being able to give uh, more strategies as far as um, like kind of the self soft tissue massage and those type techniques that they can do mm. like at home. I've been able to focus more on that. And then also, um, you know, really kind of really trying to sell at much. So I don't encourage, sell, encourage either one of those. I think it's <laughs> probably interchangeable mm -hmm. um, of making sure that they're taking care of some of the stuff that they do on the line, especially like, really kind of emphasizing like hey like you know while you're doing this i know it's natural to kind of bend over with your back but you know try keeping your chest straight and lift you know hinge at the hips and those type things mm -hmm. but just trying to give them more like cues to work on that's really been the biggest kind of education part that i've kind of had to switch is really gearing more toward cueing and those type things than, than i've probably had to in the past mm. and that's really uh, really a testament to the knowledge that we have. Uh, we're coming into this setting with varying degrees of experience, but uh, quite a bit of education um, and knowing sure. why something works the way it does or how something is going to affect one way or another. And I think it's almost, uh, to your point, understanding how to better leverage that and share it with others and help maybe push more towards self-sufficiency and independence than, Hey, you're going to come into my room every day and we're going to do this, this, and this, or whatever that looks like. It's that's obviously not the case sure, every single sure. time, but um, I love that. I, I would say uh, that probably would be mine as well is pushing more towards that because it is such a, it's such a, maybe underestimated part I feel like because we'll we probably take it for granted we're just like oh this is my job and this is what I know and 
we're going to get you better. But now it's more about sharing that so that yep. they're on board with you, you know, and they're in it uh, with you and the, and they're, you only see them for what, 15 minutes a week, yeah, maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a lot of time <laughs> to not be with you. Um, so it, it makes all the difference if you're able to communicate it in a way that they understand it and can replicate it too. So yeah. that's a great point. Cool. Well, what other, okay. that was my big question and I'm so glad I feel terrible because I've asked you a lot of big questions, not big questions, but questions that you had to think on and I didn't even prep you with them. <laughs> so you were rolling with the punches. Thank you. That's okay. That's, it's the name of the game, right? Yep. That's true. That's true. Um, but no, I think kind of one of the things that we, we've kind of hit on out here or on this, on this time is uh, time. And I know a lot of people have hesitancy with wanting to get involved um, in those organizations because of time and whatnot. And uh, I mean, it, like I kind of said earlier, any, anybody that's involved or wants to get involved with any of the organizations, uh, obviously it's going to take time. There's no, there's no way, uh, no way around that. But, you know, if you do a good enough job of scheduling, and dedicating those time to those events, it usually work events or organizations or roles, however you want to term it. Uh, it usually works out, and oftentimes you can kind of put in what you want to what you want to get out of it, or mm-hmm. you know what your time frames actually have available uh, for those roles. I mean, obviously, the higher up that you go, whether it be a president, a chair, um, or any sort of like more of the executive positions of a board they're going to require more time but i can tell you you'll learn a lot you'll learn a lot about yourself and i would encourage anyone to make sure that they get involved with uh, state local or national organizations Hmm. and what's the what's the best way that they can do that where can they generally look to find that information um so oftentimes you could probably reach out directly to the boards of the state organizations also know that the, uh, the national athletic trainers association, they actually have a, uh, like, if you're a member, they have a volunteer mm-hmm. like document that you can electronic document that you can go on. Um, I'm not sure the process, uh, what the follow-up is on that, but they do have that resource. Um, and I know here in, in Texas, the TSATA, they kind of started the same thing where they had like a Google form that we posted a QR code on the social media, on social media that they could uh, go and fill out if they have interest in being on boards or committees. Mm. And then I know with, with CTAS, basically, you can just uh, send an email or a contact um, and we can normally plug, plug in uh, people wherever they want to serve. Nice. Do you but feel like social be... media is a good place to go for some of that stuff too as far as uh getting contact and reaching out uh yes um i would say i can't comment on all the all the organizations but i would definitely say Mm -hmm. that social media messaging or posting on um, you know any sort of chats or anything like that is a good uh, a good resource uh, for those that are interested in serving as well Mm. Perfect. And I, I apologize. I think I might have cut you off. Were you going to say something else? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. 
<laughs> perfect. Okay. Well, perfect. I, and I'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well. Um, just so people know. Any, any last thoughts, last remarks, advice? Um, that's a loaded question. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I don't know. What would you want to hear? Any thoughts or advice on? Oh, I can't pick. <laughs> Wait, you already used one. Let's say you already used half because you have, uh, you're very passionate about professional involvement and you have encouraged others to get involved. Um, strategize time to make that happen if they are interested. Yeah. So maybe that's point five. You know, what's another little tidbit you'd say? Whether it's networking, industrial, continuing education, what sits on your brain um, a lot? Let's see. Um, I would say networking is huge. Mm. Um, I don't know the the breadth of the people that listen to this podcast, but I, I will tell students this and pretty much any athletic trainer that is in their beginning of their career, even in their middle, that networking is huge. Uh, I've always said athletic training is 10% what you know and 90% who you know. Mm. Um, and that wherever you're at with your current employment, there's always someone there that's watching and paying attention that may know somebody at your next, um, your next opportunity. So mm. uh, you never know who's watching. Ooh. Mic drop, Jody. Oh my gosh, that was the perfect tidbit. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I Welcome, have truly enjoyed this conversation. I've loved picking your brain. Um, like I said, you, you did a great role with the punches. So uh, I hope you can do this again. Maybe sure, in six months when I get my <laughs> life together. <laughs> so thank you, Jody. Always I appreciate you. You're welcome. Have a good day, sir. <laughs> You as well. Thank you. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to another episode of Learn Right Radio. I hope you all enjoyed it. It had some major takeaways or some things that uh, maybe sparked your interest. And one thing that I would leave you with, uh, if you are currently in the industrial setting, um, you know, what are some of the biggest misconceptions you thought there were when you headed into the setting? Uh, and on the flip side, if you have not been a part of this setting yet or are thinking about getting into it, um, what are some of the things you look for when you look for a job? Are you looking for consistency in schedule? Are you looking for a specific population to work with? You know, what are your selling points that really make a job or a setting attractive for you when you're looking? So. Hope you all enjoyed it uh, and we will catch you all in the next one.